God has decreed and is doing a new thing in this last hour. God has decreed the restoration of the apostolic anointing and function within the church that Jesus is building. The apostolic office or function is being restored. He who proposes to stop the working of the Lord Almighty engages in vanity and chasing after the wind. The word of the Lord is law. The thing that he decrees cannot return unto him void without accomplishing the purpose for which it is sent. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Not long after the start of his fleshly ministry, Jesus, who it's vital to remember, is the literal, not merely the metaphorical, head of the church. After spending all night in prayer, the following morning came down from the mountain and stood, quote-unquote, on a level place with his disciples. Luke recounts, chose twelve of his disciples and named them apostles. As a result, in one moment, these twelve men went from being merely disciples to being apostles, when Jesus named them apostles. No seminary, no school of ministry, school of prophets, or school of apostles. Jesus simply named them apostles. The Gospel of Mark says he appointed them that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. Jesus named and appointed these twelve men apostles and sent them out, charging them with his very own authority to heal the sick and cast out demons. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And this, mind you, was before the day of Pentecost, before the imbuement of power from on high through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and before Easter evening in the upper room, when all gathered there became the first humans who were regenerated as Jesus breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For three and a half years, these apostles walked, talked, fellowshiped, ate, and drank with Jesus. 
experiencing firsthand the word of life, embodied as the youngest of those eyewitnesses described him, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. During that brief period of his fleshly ministry, he modeled before them the ministry he intended for them and the church he is building to carry on following his departure and ascension to reclaim his seat of all majesty and glory at the right hand of God. Following his death, burial, resurrection, and numerous appearances in his resurrected form on the day of ascension, on the Mount of Ascension, as he was ascending on high, the Apostle Paul, who was an apostle born late, as it were, was not even there but who reveals to us by revelation of the Spirit that Jesus relegated and delegated his five-faceted anointing that he himself ministered through during his fleshly ministry unto the church that he is building, fulfilling the type and shadow of Elijah's prophetic mantle falling down upon his successor Elisha as he was being translated into heaven alive having eluded death. Jesus, as he was ascending, according to Paul's prophetic narrative in Ephesians 4, relegated and delegated his five-faceted ministry anointing unto certain persons of his own election, some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry or service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain unto the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now I would like to talk now about the fact that the church age commenced and culminates with apostles extant and functioning. Not many days following Jesus' ascension into heaven, just as he had foretold, the apostles, along with the other disciples of the early church, all received the promise of the Father and were imbued with power from on high as the Holy Spirit descended upon them, manifesting in the form of tongues of fire spread by a mighty rushing wind of the Holy Spirit. They all were baptized or immersed in the Holy Spirit and immediately began to speak in unknown tongues as the Spirit gave them the substance of the utterance. The church that Jesus is building, having been conceived with Jesus' appointment of his twelve apostles, was now birthed and the church age commenced. What is inherent in this narrative provided in Scripture, is that the church age began established upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, and operating in the apostolic dimension with all five of the fivefold ministry offices functioning. 
Moreover, in that the church age began with all five of the fivefold ministry offices functioning, and the church is forever established upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, therefore the church age, that is, the period of time during which the church is extant upon the earth, shall also culminate, operating in the apostolic dimension, established upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with all five of the fivefold ministry offices functioning properly and fully as well. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, says the Lord in Scripture. Ephesians 4 Bible College offers 300 cutting-edge, customized, online degree and certificate programs to help you meet that biblical exhortation. Competitive, affordable, pay-as-you-go tuition rates. Learn more at Ephesians4.net. Prior to his ascension into heaven, Jesus himself informed us that he was fully dedicated and committed to building his ecclesia or church, which he would ultimately return to claim as his co-sovereign eternal bride. The Hebrews writer referred to this ecclesia as Christ's house and that he was faithful to the one who appointed him and faithful over his house as a son whose house we are that is, the body of Christ, spiritual Jews, in Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. The writer juxtaposed Christ's house to Moses' house, that is, the house consisting of the natural Jews, the old covenant saints, testifying concerning Moses that as was Christ over his house, Moses was faithful in all his house and that Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. It was this latter house, the house of Christ Jesus, of which God was speaking in the prophetic word he communicated through the prophet Haggai, quote, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, quote, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, that is, the house of Moses, saith the Lord of hosts, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. And that is in Haggai 2, 9. Indeed, the glory or tangible manifested presence of God inherent in the latter house, that is, the church, Jesus' house, the ecclesia he is building, shall be greater than the former house, Moses' house. The latter house, Jesus' house, has been designated by God to possess and operate in an exceedingly higher and greater dimension of the Spirit in all these things than the former house, the, quote, church in the wilderness, in quote, Acts 7.38, which was not granted 
His precious and magnificent promises so that by them they may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lusts. They were not the recipients of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, Romans 5.17, nor of the regenerative sanctifying workings of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, nor of the promise of the Father, that is, the power from on high, and the powers of the age to come, as is the ecclesia, the church Jesus is building, beginning with the first or early church. Moreover, because the early church soon fell into the abyss of apostasy and thereby forfeited these endowments of glory, we rejoice also in the fact that the end times church, those upon whom the ends of the ages have come, as it embraces and espouses the restoration and recovery that was initiated in 1517, shall possess or repossess that glory which these former houses forfeited. Approximately 470 years subsequent to the inauguration of the times of restitution or periods of restoration which became known as the Protestant Reformation in the mid-1980s, the voice of the Reformer once again began being heard throughout the world and in the church that Jesus is building and has been building over two millennia in the form of restoration and recovery of the foundational offices, first of the prophet and subsequently the apostle. An initiation of that restoration and recovery process transpired in the last two decades of the 20th century, though the process was by no means completed during that century, but only begun. Reform and restoration are the bywords of the Spirit for the 21st century church, for the Lord is continuing this process in the end times church as well. God declared in the culminating words of the Old Testament, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will restore. Malachi 4, 5 and 6. God is sending forth special messengers, apostles and prophets, who will operate in the spirit and power of Elijah to decree and establish restoration within the church, to restore the hearts of the fathers, the spiritual fathers of the church, unto the children, the spiritual offspring, the sons of God, and to restore the hearts of the children, the spiritual sons and daughters, unto the spiritual fathers, lest God come and smite the land with a curse. These spiritual fathers are the fivefold fathers operating in a new dimension of the Spirit, the apostolic dimension, to turn the hearts of an elder generation of self-seeking, self-absorbed, spiritually impotent, and non-reproductive fathers 
toward a younger generation of fatherless, orphaned, spiritual children to show them the way, to rear them in the way they should go, to rear them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to show them the Father, to rear true sons of God's house who abide in the house forever, vis-a-vis the previous generations of slaves and servants who abide not in the house forever. The Elijahs, that is the end-time judgment prophets, are coming forth to expose and slay the false prophets of Baal and the false prophets of Jezebel to set the stage for the King Jehu's warrior apostles, warriors anointed by prophets to reign over a defined territory, prophets who, as Jesus said of John the Baptist, are more than a prophet. What is a prophet who is more than a prophet but an apostle? These apostolic Jehus will mount up under apostolic commissioning, wielding apostolic power, and will go after and nullify the false authorities, principalities, and powers that have been ruling in territories where God has assigned them apostolic authority, including Jezebel to cast down that principality of witchcraft from its balcony in the heavenly places. Enjoying this podcast? Please take a minute to pray if the Lord would have you help us with the substantial financial burden of this program. We receive no grants or funding from any organization or government agency and have no other means of support than the gracious and generous giving of our listeners. SLM Inc. bears the entire burden. In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to give any amount. Thank you for your gifts, generosity, and graciousness. It is prophesied in Luke 1.17. It is He who will go as a forerunner before Him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But make no mistake about it. God is raising up and bringing to the fore these anointed Elijahs in the prophetic spirit and supernatural power of Elijah for one ultimate overriding divine purpose, to pass on the mantle to their successors, the Elisha generation, who will inherit a double portion anointing of the Spirit to perform double the works that their spiritual fathers performed, to perform not only the supernatural works that Jesus performed, but even greater works in order to haul in the giant catch 
of the end times harvest and to accomplish the end times purposes and plans of God of maturing the church, quote, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Ephesians 4, 13. That he might return to claim the church as his eternal bride, a glorious church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Ephesians 5:27. All this will be the fulfillment of the passage quoted earlier that was not only speaking of John the Baptist, but also those other forerunners that God will send, quote, in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Truly, God is doing a new thing in this last hour. He is restoring the apostolic and prophetic ministry functions to the church Jesus is building. He has issued a mandate with which the remnant church, the true ecclesia, must and will comply. The Spirit has decreed it, and it must come to pass, for His Word cannot return unto Him void without accomplishing the purpose for which it is sent. Isaiah 55, 11. The head of the church is forging change, reformation, reformation, restructuring to his church. And it is his church to do with as he pleases, for he has purchased it with his precious shed blood. A decree for structural reformation has been issued from heaven which cannot be negated or nullified. God will not be mocked. The church, the true church that Jesus is building, the remnant church, has no choice or option in order to move forward, but to hear and heed heaven's decree and begin to comport to it. No church, independent or affiliated, denomination or network of churches, that considers itself and desires to remain a lampstand church, is exempt from the heavenly mandate. Those who refuse will soon have Ichabod, the glory has departed, written over the lintel of their doors by the hand of God, and everyone who enters those doors will know the glory has departed. The Spirit of the Lord is not here. Apostles and prophets are the master builders or general contractors of the house of God, the church Jesus is building. They are the foundation layers. As an apostle Paul stated to the Corinthian church, 
according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, a primary biblical definition of what an apostle is. I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. So we see that apostles are foundation layers. That is why the apostolic ministry function must always come first in order and rank, because they lay the foundation, and the building is built on the foundation. The foundation is subterranean, underground, and is the substruction of the building that is unseen once the building is built. Nevertheless, it is the foundation that undergirds or supports the building. The foundation is the government of the building. It determines the extent and the expanse of the building. In addition to being foundation layers, they themselves, that is the office or ministry function apostles and prophets occupy and operate out of, form the tripartite foundation of the church at large, as well as local churches under this fivefold ministry paradigm. 1 Corinthians 3.11 declares that no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Prima facie and standing alone, precisely as many fundamentalist theologians of the past have construed it, this verse appears to be saying that Jesus Christ himself and he alone is the entire foundation of the church. However, Ephesians 2.20 further defines the foundation of God's household as the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, which, juxtaposed with the 1 Corinthians 3.11 text, made these two verses appear to be conflicting when regarded as it has been by the fundamentalist theological interpretation. So we see that Jesus, the head of the church, has so closely associated and identified himself with the ministry giftings and offices of apostle and prophet that the three of them together form a spiritual triumvirate through whom Jesus is building his church. Psalms 127 verse 1, a familiar passage to many, says, unless the Lord builds the house, that means his way, they labor in vain who build it. This is Dr. Stephen Lambert, founder and overseer of Ephesians 4 Network of Churches and Ministers. We are a fellowship of fivefold ministers co-laboring together to accomplish the end times purposes and plans of God. If you are a fivefold minister or aspire to be one, I invite you to visit our website to learn who we are and how we can serve you at Ephesians4.net. That's Ephesians4.net. The way the Lord has chosen to build his house or building, that is the ecclesia, 
is through the functioning of apostles and prophets as the preeminent builders and overseers of the building process. God is the builder and the architect of the heavenly city, Mount Zion, the church. As the builder and architect, it is God who has drawn up the blueprint or pattern. And he has chosen to entrust the blueprint and the building of the building of God to the stewardship of apostles and prophets. Moreover, it is God who issues the building permits, Hebrews 6.3. So again, unless the Lord builds the house his way, they labor in vain who build it. Moreover, speaking in his capacity as an apostle or wise master builder, the apostle Paul said, let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.